What's up, you guys? Welcome to the August 9th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher. Getting ready to talk a little recent news. We did not get the schedule news. We're going to get that Monday. We'll be doing a pod special on that. Cannot wait for that one. But we'll talk some news today with Ryan Knoss. What's up, man? Uh, not much. There's, you know, a little bit of a dead spot in the NBA season, but pretty soon we'll get some FIBA action to keep us busy. Yeah, FIBA. I love the schedule stuff. That'll be really fun to dig in, and we'll see these guys shift values. Like last year, Drew, I bumped him down like a whole round because the Pelicans' bad late season schedule. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Who gets who gets moved up, moved down. Uh, then you, we could really kind of write our rankings in pen here uh, as we get ready. But there was actually a decent amount of news this week. Uh, a couple high-end guys, a um, t- couple guys in Team USA crushing who we want to talk about, and we'll probably get your thoughts on Tommy and me doing some rankings uh, and kind of see where you uh, land on how you put together and if you have any, um, want to. I don't want to say side with anybody uh, on some big disagreements. We'll talk a little bit mm-hmm. about that. But let's talk just some injury concerns. We're going to start with Mitchell Robinson. I uh, had an MRI. He's cleared, but it's a minor sore knee. And I mentioned in the last pod, I think I, I have him 20. Tommy has him 18 and 9 cat. I'm bumping him down. I said the only reason why I'm worried about Mitch is injuries. Uh, and young big men. I forget why I read this. I think it was in Chris Heron, um, one of my favorite writers. He just had this, He wrote a correlation between young big men being hurt more often than uh, younger guards. So gives me a little... Uh, pretty much excluding like cat. Um, so... A little nervous on Mitch now. Like, I would draft Bam first now, uh, who I'm insanely high on. Um, obviously, John Collins, who I had ahead of him to begin with, even before this news, Miles Turner. Um, I would take Zion ahead of him now. That's kind of it there, I think. I was already a bit lower on Mitch than some other Roto World crew guys. So when I saw him come into Team USA practices already sporting a sore knee, that's a big red flag. Uh, the MRI was negative, but he tweaked it again on pra- uh, in practice on Wednesday. Sat out Thursday as a precaution. So it's considered a minor injury, quote-unquote. But to me, there's almost no such thing as a lower body injury for a big man that's minor uh, in the offseason. So that's a round or two deficit right off the bat. No knee injuries last year, uh, so that's kind of good, I guess. But still, again, this is a knee injury, like... You don't get a free pass on that. Um, it does help being in the summertime, but comes back to bite you a lot. Um, like Giannis, I guess, is a good example. I point to you know he had a minor knee thing this yeah. time with the national team, and it came back mm-hmm. to bite him later in the season. Um, what that was, what two years ago or whatever it was. So anyway, yeah, and there was some speculation initially that that was just an excuse for him to save his body and not play internationally. But turned out, as you said, that's been an ongoing concern for two seasons. As a result, he's playing under 33 minutes a game on average, and um, yeah, and that's a player of his caliber. So, just a, definitely a concern for Robinson. So I know you're high on Aiden. Would you take Aiden over Robinson right now? I would, yeah. I think I'm higher than most on Aiden. Yeah, we, uh, I had him 29, I think, and then Tommy was like right next to me. Yeah, he was so. overshadowed as a rookie uh, for good reason. I mean, Doncic and and Trey Young, but. He had a good year, and especially for fantasy, I, I should say. Um, so I think he's he's going to have an even better year this year. I'm I'm high on him. Yeah, just got to up his blocks, like I said in the last pod. That would be going yeah. a long way. Uh, and actually, just quickly, just I guess to talk some big men here. Um, where do you have Jaron Jackson? I have him. I think I'm kind of in the middle of the pack. I have him like mid third, and Tommy had him. I think fifty something. Uh, so uh, where do you kind of? We let's talk a little more a little bit about centers, I guess. 
Yeah, I think that forty to fifty range is probably okay. reasonable. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna super reach for him. Um, just he needs to stay healthy for one thing. So any guy co- coming off an injury season, that's already a deficit in my book. Yeah. Um, but you know the upside is there. But then again, if people are drafting him in the in the t- high twenties or I'm not going to get him, put it that way. I'm probably not either. Uh, I have him ranked high, but I'm just going to draft Bam. (laughs) Like, I don't know if I want to draft those two types of players back-to-back with my second and third-round pick. So I don't know. eh, Maybe I could get one of them in the fourth round. We'll kind of see how it goes, but I don't think they're going to fall. Were you surprised, just to keep on Jackson for one second, were you surprised that in 26 minutes a game last year he blocked, I say only, it's still solid, but 1.4 blocks per game? Because we looked at this guy as a per-minute freak who could block, you know, two blocks per game easy in 26 minutes. Yeah. Uh, did that take you by surprise? Because that, yeah. that kind of cooled me off a little bit. And yeah. 4.7 rebounds, not a great number. Yeah, and like I said in the last pod, his blocks per game decreased in November, December, January, February per month. Mm. Um, while yeah. his minutes were kind of trending up, so uh, the lack of blocks is a little bit of a concern to me. But um, just he's young; uh, I think he can be a lot yeah, better than he bad. is. Uh, you know, he shoots the ball well from the line and all that stuff. So, yeah. um, to has big Miles Turner like upside. I could see him having that kind of an impact with maybe even more threes. Uh, let's talk about the other injury news. Uh, shout out to Joe Van Boha from the Athletic Clippers beat writer and the Clippers beat writers crush uh, partly. Credit to Doc Rivers, who's an open book on a lot of stuff. But uh, I love mailbag. There's a lot of garbage mailbags out there. No, not going to call anybody out. But we're just like, you know, they're just kind of just talking about the news. and not really talking about their thoughts. And this article on The Athletic is tremendous. Um, just mm-hmm. a lot of thoughts and ideas. And just, he's basically just, you know, uh, brain vomit of what he's thinking about stuff, which we love that um, for if you're going to ask anybody, you want to ask the guys who cover the team. Uh, and he had said that um, it sounds like they, they may miss Paul George to start the year. Uh, so that's a little bit of a concern. Don't forget he has two left, um, t- two shoulder injuries, a uh, rotator cuff and a labrum uh, for each of them. Um, they were both a problem last year. His right shooting issue was on the uh, summer of last year. So something to watch for sure. Surgery is definitely a good thing. Um, but, yeah, it sounds like he may get rest. Um, he said that Paul George may, quote, adopt Leonard's program and rest a few games. Uh, he also said he'll expect um, uh, at least 10 games for Kawhi. Uh, so I guess with Paul George, he was pretty much unanimously top eight um, before we got this, I guess it's not even really news, but an opinion. How far down do you put Paul with uh, a little bit of uh, scare into his uh, start date? Yeah, it's it's a good question and an interesting because you have to balance what things like that where a beat writer is speculating quite logically that he will miss time throughout the season to rest, even if he manages to play on opening night, which I think Buha said there's a, a general feel that he might return in mid to late November. So owners should bake that into expectations. You might be out your first round pick or second round pick, um, you know, to start the season. But I do think it makes sense. Why not? take some rest off during back-to-backs, especially with Kawhi there doing, doing the same kind of prescribed rest program that he did in Toronto so successfully, just mirror what works. Um, now, I balance that with the fact that Paul George hasn't missed games. He's missed 16 games total the past four years, which is crazy. And if you throw out 2014-15, he's averaging 3.5 DMPs over his past six seasons. That's 
amazing for consistency and uh, durability. So you you know those two things sort of balance out to me. This is a guy who's not going to ask to sit out. You know, I don't think he wants to miss games. Whereas I get a little bit more of that sense with Kawhi, um, obviously. But so I think when you in the middle somewhere, so I'd say Paul George to me gets bumped down to the 12 to 16 range. I'm not going to take him at, at eight anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing. Uh, I think I put him at 15 um, when I, I changed my rankings. Like you said, uh, the, I, I'm concerned about this thing. Like obviously even being on the court so much, he's going to be 30 next year. Like that's a lot of miles on the tire, so to speak. And I mean, if Kawhi is going to be in his ear saying, like, hey, this worked for me. I have an NBA championship ring because of it. Like, that's, like, basically saying, like, you're trying to go on a diet and your best friend already did a diet that worked and he lost, like, 30, 40 pounds, whatever. And you're like, <laughs> ah, and he's in your ear. Like, you should do this. This is Like, you're going to be inclined to do that, uh, I feel like. So I think it's kind of the same thing. So I'm, yeah, I'm a little terrified. I had bumped him down a little bit. Like I said, I think two pods ago, I could see Drew going above Drew Holiday going above Paul George, and now it's pretty easy for me. Um, but, yeah, I'm kind of off him. I love Paul George. Uh, I had him pretty much everywhere I could last year when I was picking late. But yeah. this year I'm a little bit scared uh, just because I'm the offseason and the Kawhi in his ear factor. Uh, let's uh, Just quickly with Kawhi, uh, I think we've talked about this several times, but uh, being the at least 10 games, I think it's at least 15 games personally. Um, mm-hmm. for, I'm not drafting Kawhi, like especially late in the season. One other thing too, I noticed schedule's not out yet, but they're starting it like a week later. But the All Star breaks the same weekend, basically. So in other words, the post break run, quote unquote, is going to be like three or four games longer. So I think yeah. that's kind of a minus for load management guys because having a longer second half, they may be like, oh yeah, yeah, it's the second half. Like I feel like I may trick him. Maybe I'm just making that up. But um, a little bit more concerned, anyways. So yeah, like I said, what do you think for Kawhi? And I think I know you're not drafting him, if I remember. No, I mean, I'd probably take him at like twenty. So just be- just because of DMPs, I'm afraid. Not only you know, even if he's completely healthy, ten DMPs baked in. So yeah. if he gets hurt, forget it. He's at he's at fifteen twenty easy. Um, so just for that alone, I. I can't touch him in the first round but i think he i think he will be a first round pick in almost all leagues i expect him to go in the first round so therefore another player that won't be on many of my teams yep and yeah tommy had him first i had him first pick third 25th um Mm. much like when curry was coming on when the warriors were good like any tweak man it's not a one game and you're out he'll miss like two weeks i'd want to say if he tweaks his ankle or something like that you know yeah, because it's not speculation. We've seen it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He sat out when he was essentially healthy just to protect his health. So, yeah. as you said, if there's an actual issue, forget it. Yeah. All right, so we're on the same page there. Uh, let's talk some other Clippers really fast. Uh, and also, just shout-out to The Athletic. They had basically their entire writing staff do, like, rotation projections, uh, which I took uh, a whole – half a day – uh, basically taking all their stuff on the athletic and I put it onto our rotor world depth charts for easy consumption. So um, check those out if you want to kind of get a look at what the rotations may look like. Um, but anyways, um, Jermichael Green may start um, put, putting Paul George and Kawhi on the wing, Pat Beverly at the top, obviously, with Zubats uh, at the five spot. So does Jermichael Green starting do anything for you or what do you, what do you think? Uh I guess it puts him in play as like a final round guy, but I, he doesn't intrigue me at all. 
Um, just a guy who lacks defensive stats, good, not great rebounds, uh, field goal percentage kind of middling for a big guy because he takes so many shots from deep, which is one of the reasons I think he might start. And at the very least, he's going to earn solid minutes. I mean, he took a, a significant pay cut to stay with the Clippers because he thought he could win a championship and would have a significant big role all, all year. Uh, he shot 41% over 41% from deep after joining LA last year. So, and he's going to get wide open shots. So, you know, if you want a big man who can hit some threes, grab some rebounds and won't really hurt you, that's okay in the late rounds, but absolutely not a guy I'll target. There's plenty more high upside gambles out there. They, I pretty much, he'll be on my, a very popular streamer for me when Kawhi sits or when Paul sits, then yeah, a little bit of a bonus uh, on usage and, uh, maybe other defensive stats as well. So, um, yeah, I like that. And also, he mentioned that um, Paul George would be the lead guy on the off-ball player, and that Kawhi would be basically resting on defense during the regular season. Like he'd put Kawhi on not on the top option. That probably changes down the stretch of games. But mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was interesting that they're going to be really careful with Kawhi. And like again, being careful with him in that situation when that's like his, the best thing he does. Like I feel like that also just doesn't add up to him only getting ten games of rest. So yeah. I'm, I don't need to beat the. I'm not drafting Kawhi Horse anymore. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Landry Shamit. Uh, again, this mailbag was great. Talked a little bit about limiting Beverly and Lou Williams, uh, who I'm not drafting either of those guys, and that Shamit could find a way to get 28 to 32 minutes. Again, uh, possible Paul George being like so. Say if Paul George is going to miss the start of the season. Shamet, like how high would you go on him? Like one, I guess one twenty. I don't see that much upside, but one twenty, I might be entertained. Uh, maybe I view him essentially as a really good three point specialist. That's kind of as far as I'm willing to go. I think he's gonna have the green light. He took. Uh, he was top twenty five in three pointers after the break last year. Elliot's gonna want him to continue spreading the court, basically whenever he touches it. Uh, you also factor in the fact that Beverly Patrick Beverly not a healthy guy he gets hurt every single year so if he gets hurt Shamit could find himself playing big minutes um but yeah i don't really like him for anything beyond three pointers do you do you see a path to value that that incorporates more stats there definitely more three pointers um you know not really much of an assist guy and i think maybe he could take more chances on defense uh especially if Kawhi is going to play um you know not as quite as aggressive on the, the main ball guys so maybe some steal opportunities there but like mm-hmm. I said, it's pretty much just like if I'm sitting late in my draft and I didn't draft enough threes, like say I drafted a lot of uh, point guards who don't make threes or something, like I could kind of fill it in that way, more something along those lines. Yeah. But yeah, he's not an aggressive target for me. But I could I could just see a path to early season value. Again, basically your draft, I'd say draft him maybe with your last pick um, and then when Paul George comes back, then you know maybe cut him loose or whatever, see how he does. Yeah, but he should have had an opportunity if Paul's out. This team's not very deep. Besides Agreed. Blue. So, but yeah, I, and I'm kind of off the Clippers almost entirely. Now that I think Do about not, it, I'm not yeah. into Harold because I think his usage is going to drop. Um, not really much of a shot blocker either. Not really into Zubats despite the added three point shooting. Just, I don't know. Not really feeling any of those guys. Yeah, I was going to ask about Zubats. And how do you feel about uh, Lou Williams? Any any interest Terrified. there? Nah, because just those high usage <laughs> guys on that team when they're going to play. I mean, again, they're going to rest at times, but it's going to be kind of staggered rest. But yeah. still, his usage uh, when he's out there by himself is just so high, and I figured that, that those are going to come down, those opportunities. Right, because they'll, they'll stagger the big guys, and he's 
going to be 33 this year, so you can't see him playing more than 26, 28 minutes a game tops. So I'm with you. Get him ready for the playoffs as well. All right, uh, a couple Team USA players that have been really crushing, kind of touched on one in the last podcast. Uh, I had, we talked about him before the last pod you and I did, and that's De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I put him in the third round just because he's young and he's a point guard, but he's playing great apparently. He's been one of the best guys in Team USA. Sounds like he's going to make the roster. So I think you said you probably have him like round five or something along those lines. Yeah, no, he... I haven't budged on that despite his, okay. his awesome play this summer, but... Uh, maybe he could sell me. I just want to see better free. I don't like point guards who hurt me from the free throw line, which he really did, uh, especially after the break last year. Just over seventy percent on almost six attempts per game. So he was, he was really hurt, uh, hurting you there. But I don't know. I mean, he could carry you in assists. He's. I, I assume his three pointers will go up this year. He's still twenty-one years old, so we haven't seen what he can do. Yeah, I, I, I didn't move him up either. I had him kind of high. Um, where he is, I don't really see how he can climb. Um, yeah, but yeah, you say you have him third, third mid, round, mid third. Yeah, yeah. Like I have him uh, one spot behind Shea, Gilgis Alexander. Okay, just, that's more just how much I love Shea. But um, yeah, like once once those once Kyrie comes off the board for point guards, and I don't even want to draft Kyrie. Like I said, if I draft Kyrie, I'm going to have to cuff him to yeah. to Spencer uh, a little bit later in the rounds. But that's pretty much like. If I'm drafting third round and I got my point guards, I'm going to go big there. So I, I don't really see myself drafting Fox, even though I have him pretty high. Um, it's just really um, the position scarcity of it all. Like If you don't count Jamal. Jamal Murray is a point guard, but he kind of isn't because of his mm-hmm. stat output since Jokic runs that offense. So, but see, yeah, I could see myself drafting Fox in the fourth round, yeah. especially if I needed a point guard. But to me, this is just one more reason why I'm targeting a point guard early. Exactly. Uh, just getting you know knocked that out because, as you said, there's a big drought all of a sudden after those early rounds. Yep. Uh, speaking of another point guard, uh, another guy who's crushed and is apparently going to make the roster, uh, it's Derek White. Um, mm-hmm. Saw Jeff Van Gundy really talk him up and. You know, kind of hit or miss. He had a really hot stretch from mid-January to the All-Star break and a little bit going into the second half. Um, but started slow and everything. Obviously, DeJounte Murray coming back. Uh, what do you make of Derek White, uh, of his upside, and could he get better? If you've seen the highlights, he looks like a superstar. <laughs> he does look good. And uh, director of the, the national team, Jerry Colangelo, was all over him he said he's been very very good what a story that is he's a very unique player uh you know talked about his kind of unusual rhythm these little floaters in the lane he's a very good player and defensively extremely impressive um but fantasy wise i'm not excited you mentioned Dejounte returning that's the reason why and that's also the reason why i'm not really into Dejounte murray he was one of our favorites going into last year but now that Derek White has established himself as a legit guy who needs minutes, yes, they can probably share the court together, but it, it caps both of their upside to me. So I'm not I'm not touching either of them, I don't think, unfortunately, because I, I want to watch them play. I think it's going to be a fantastic backcourt to watch, but not to own. I'm in a little bit. I feel like I'm a little bit low on Derek White just because I, I was so into him last year, and I really hate to double dip on guys like hype a lot, I guess, so whether I do that subcon. I think I just realized that the past couple days. I was like, I'm really low on Derek White, and I shouldn't be. Like, I think he could still be pretty good. Um, you know, he went eighth round in the last draft we did, um, so that's pretty close to 100. I'm down with that price. I, I could see him. T- I could see taking him at 75. Uh, if you look at some of the some of the stats last year, or I guess two years ago, uh, with Dejounte was out there, 
Uh, he had touch time of 5.2 minutes per game, which is pretty good. That's basically uh, where Kyrie was, and uh, actually Jamal Murray was identical in that time. Uh, and DeMar DeRozan with 5.1 minutes per game. That, again, post-break with DeJounte, was when he was really balling, um, DeJounte had a really strong post-break uh, just because of his steals numbers. Um, DeMar, last season, identical, 5.1. Um, Derek White mm-hmm. basically swapped in for most of that time that was vacated. He was at 4.0. Um, but what really kind of sells me on Derek White is a possible guy who could still be pretty good. He doesn't have high usage a lot uh, last season, and yeah. he really did come on late. Uh, 67 games in the regular season. He had 24 usage rate uh, just six times uh, versus in the playoffs. Three of his seven were 24-plus usage rate against the Nuggets when he was kind of going off. And, again, he just he just looks like he's really coming on. Last year was basically his rookie season. Uh, yeah. So I, I could see some upside. And I don't really think he's going to be a guy who's going to have to score, you know, 20 points a game. That's fine. Like, his steals will be good. Maybe three, four assists out of him. But, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be totally shocked if... I mean, probably people are going to take Lonzo Ball before him. People are going to take Terry Rozier before him. Um, I uh, would. Yeah. <laughs> you would? Okay, yeah. Yeah, people I mean, Derek White, so my issue is, like, last year, final two months, he was barely top 100 for 9-cat. And that's he doesn't turn the ball over much, so you could say the same for 8-cat. He just isn't really going to help you with percentages uh, he blocked over a shot per game in 27 minutes, so that's impressive. But just doesn't really pop in any category. So a quiet contributor, I could see him in the 120 range, but oh, wow. this was okay. this was without DeJunte on the court, and he was barely top 100. I Again, I like him. I think he his game just maybe doesn't translate completely to fantasy, so... Yeah, I guess I'm I'm not as high as him as uh, well. Clearly, as you are. Yeah, well, I think he was a good shooter coming into the season. Like his college numbers, very small sample. His rookie season, he didn't shoot well from three last year. I think it was like 33. Uh, percent He was outstanding in the mid range. Like the reason why he was kind of solid from field goal percentage was right. mid range. Uh, just smashed. I think he shot like upper 40s. So I could see him taking a step out and really crushing from three. I, I still think there's some untapped upside just because he didn't quite click. Uh, as much as he did in the defensive stats, again he's he was a shot he's a shot blocker um, coming out of college and um, from what yeah. we've seen so impressive I, length yeah. and good yeah, timing yeah definitely so I think that that's going to really help his floor um, and I'm, again we're not really drafting him for twenty points so if he's just close yeah. and solid across like mini Shea. You know? I'll bump him up in a hurry if it looks like he can play 30 minutes a game alongside DeJounte and, and DeMar. So, so are you worried about his playing time? I'm not worried about his playing I think he's got 30 in the bag. Okay. See, if, if I start seeing that and and you and or you sell me on that, <laughs> then uh, he'll, he'll go up. Well, I think the concern is just having the ball in his hands. Because like, he, okay. he's not a guy who's – again, because he didn't shoot jumpers too great last year. So for guys to really, like Paul George, for instance, like when Westbrook went there, Paul George was awesome catch and shoot. That's why I like Donovan Mitchell so much. Take the ball out of his hands, but can you catch and shoot and hit threes? So I think we really need to see that come into play. I think he can. Like he has a nice looking jumper. And again, he was was a good shooter coming coming into into the NBA. So I'm still sold. I'm not like aggressive on him. Like I'll, I'll draft Van Vliet over him. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much what it's going to come down to. I'll draft Delon right over him. I won't draft yeah. Rozier. I'm terrified of Rozier, man. He's going to probably shoot like 35% from the field. Yeah, he's going to tank your field goal <laughs> percentage. He, he's more of a points league guy. Yeah, but I like him I could, points. I could see him as a late flyer even in Roto. And... 
just oh. hope he attacks the basket a lot. The Hornets are gonna be so bad. Like, a, oh, they're gonna be a dreadful. Over, I was <laughs> over on. Could oh they get? Gosh. Could they get to ten wins? Like, I don't know. I think we're gonna talk about Dwayne Bacon, so we can really yeah, lay we'll into them. Now. All right. Um, Hassan Whiteside briefly. He kind of hinted that he's ready for thirty minutes. Uh, was upset with his two K rating. Who isn't? Um, but he's he said like, uh, we'll see what I can do with thirty plus minutes. He has it somewhat in him. I hit 30 minutes 13 times last year, 15 times two seasons ago, and that was with Spolstra benching him like crazy, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the fourth quarter a lot. So what would you say the probability, even just dropping it to 27, which would be great, um, yeah. do you, what do you think the odds are it gets to 27 minutes? I think the odds of that are very good. Uh, Neil Olshe said, that's the, the Blazers GM, said that Yusuf Nurkic could be out until February. And that's probably aggressive. Like, he may even be out a little bit longer if Portland's being cautious because they'll want him healthy for the playoffs. So, yeah, I could see Hassan averaging 25, 28, easy. Uh, And that's plenty. Even with 24 minutes a game, he could be a top 75 player, as we've seen before. So with Zach Collins, he's going to slot into the starting power forward job, it looks like. Uh, So I'm assuming Hassan's busy. So I'll be... Looking for him probably in the 60 to 80 range. I'm not banking on a resurgent year. He's, you know, he's going to be 30 years old. But he did put up two straight top 20 value years from 2015 to 2017. So some owners are going to reach for him a bit higher than that. But I think 60 to 80 would be a sweet spot for me. Yeah, Zach Collins being dinged up with a grade two ankle sprain as well. Perhaps that curtails uh, how aggressive they are with him early in the season. So, yeah, especially if you're building a free throw punt team. Um Again, you're going to be probably over the top with blocks uh, if that's the case. Um, yeah. Just because, unless you get, like like I said in the last pod, like pairing Giannis and Ben Simmons is key, uh, I feel like, to, to doing that. And, I mean, mm. would you, I guess, I don't know. Would you, t- yeah, I guess you would have to uh, if you felt comfortable. If, if, like, Drummond's gone, if uh, Gobert's gone, and you took Giannis in the first round and say, say you took him third or fourth, would you take Ben there I feel like you may have to do that if you wanted to build that team and then just hope that like Capella falls to you Capella, draft yeah. uh yeah draft Whiteside later on something along those lines maybe th- yeah I mean Luka Doncic do you see him as part of a punt free throw team he shot, shot yeah. very very so maybe poorly do on that. huge well, volume uh, yeah I guess I guess I would do that first take Luka first yeah. and then De'Aaron Fox and then you could get Whiteside too like that's a pretty good build yeah. Speaking of uh, punt free throw, do you have any interest, a little bit of a pivot, but do you have any interest in Marvin Bagley? A little bit. Uh, I feel like I'm more... He, I, he's getting I was some full, hype this summer, too. Yeah, I was full fade Kings last year, and it didn't work mm-hmm. out for Buddy Heald. Uh, and even Fox is pretty good. But yeah, I, I'm kind of into Kings a little bit more this year. I think Luke Wallen could help those guys. Yeah. Uh, he's a pretty good offense. Um, they'll run a little bit more stuff through Bagley, I think, but... Yeah, uh, I'm interested. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to be after him, but I could see it if yeah, someone doesn't. Same. If someone does, usually someone reaches up and grabs a guy like that for as high as a pick as he was last year. Agreed. And but yeah, when you were talking about Fox and guys who were getting hyped this summer, he he popped to mind, and I haven't I hadn't given him too much consideration, but I think he's growing on me. Yeah, I could see it. Just, uh, I'm trying. Who would else? Who else would go in that neighborhood? Uh, Marcus Gasol, I guess you'd probably take Gasol. Old old. Man. Uh. No, <laughs> I don't. No, I don't yeah, know. I don't no, think I'm not really into it. Casal's over the hill a bit Warford. for me. I yeah, I'd probably take Al. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'd probably a little take safer. There. I think like a nine cat owner, so I think yeah, I'd go yeah. Al there. Yeah. 
Just I'm scared about Al getting rested as well. Even though, yeah, he's had the bad knees last year. Yeah, fair. Bam, Bam Adebayo, he's, he's the new Al Horford uh, with the across the, <laughs> like board, across the board value. Nice. Dude, Horford was like a he was going near top ten when he was really humming. Yeah. So. Um, and he was, and he's durable. Or yeah, was besides, yeah, besides the double peck issues he had. Yeah, the fluke those, injury. Yeah, that's right. No, no real chronic stuff. Though. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on. Uh, briefly on Demonte Sabonis. He says he could be a good fit with Miles Turner. We talked a lot about a lot about Turner. Talked a little bit about Sabonis. Really faded late in the season last year. Um, mm-hmm. What do you make of him as a target? Maybe say compared to Bagley or any of those guys. Like, do you do you think you're targeting him? Not really, just because he's so limited to field goal percentage and rebounds, basically. A big man who doesn't block shots, doesn't have three-point range, so when he's out there, I think Turner's going to be the stretch five, obviously. he's He took almost a quarter of his shots from deep last year, improved his three-point percentage every year in the league, so that's an interesting uh, little wrinkle for Miles. But yeah, the limitations of Sabonis, he feasts at the rim, great rebounder, will drop some assists, but otherwise, where does he help you for fantasy? Yeah, you're pretty much. It's. I'd rather. T- he's basically Bagu. Bagu without the upside. I feel like you know a lot of yeah, points, decent boards, not much else. P- um, pretty poor free throw shooting. Yeah. But he yeah. didn't really wow either. We, even when Depot was out, and that's when we really saw Miles kind of pick it up. Like Miles had a right. pretty strong finish last year, and Miles actually shoots considerably better with Sabonis on the floor. Sabonis is really not. His numbers are pretty much worse everywhere, uh, especially in scoring volume. If I remember. Uh, his points per 36 after the depot injury was like five points. Um, again, the rebounds were down. He had a little, a very slight uptick on uh, defensive stats, not where you could really draw any conclusions from it. If I remember, it's a 199-minute sample. So mm-hmm. not, a ter- not a great sample. But even on the whole season, like he wasn't really that great. So I'm pretty much off that. Um, maybe. I don't really see how I can warm up to it. But yeah. I'm in on Turner. Are you in on Turner? Yeah, yeah, I I love Miles Turner, and I think, you know, as I said, he's going to be around the perimeter a lot more. I think he's going to be a pick-and-pop guy, taking a lot of uh, three-pointers, but that's fine. He shot 38.8% from deep last year. As I said, he's gotten better every year in the league, so if he's hovering around 40% from deep, hitting a bunch of threes, he's going to be a shot blocker. Get enough boards, doesn't hurt you anywhere, so I'm I'm, I'm into him. Yeah, he's my lead, like, second-tier big man. Like mm. I have him just ahead of Collins, Zion, ahead of Bam for now. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have him above Embiid just because of the rest, Jaron, all those dudes. So I'm definitely, I'll probably have a few shares of Turner. If so I you, so you got him in a tier, like, just is he just below Capella, Gobert? I have him way up. I've knocked Capella down pretty hard. Yeah, I would too. Uh, okay. I don't really see, like, the usage going. I could see the usage going way a little bit. Not that he's a big offensive guy, but for a guy who's, he was the number one field goal percentage guy last year. So if you take yeah. shots away from him, that's not going to make him as valuable there. Yeah. So I, I feel like we've seen Capello's peak. I mean, he's 25, yeah. so maybe this is a bit harsh, but yeah. but I think he was just in such a perfect position last year with tons of playing time, as you said. I mean, Chris Paul and James Harden feeding him the ball. I, I think that was the high watermark. Yeah. So I'm, I'm fully off him, but yeah, I'm probably drafting. Hopefully, point guard first round, or. Two point guards, and then if not, I'm probably going to wind up with a lot of Turner or Collins um, mm. out there. Yeah. And Bam, if if uh, I have to in the second round, hopefully no one. I don't think anybody's going to take Bam. Hopefully, I can get Bam in the 
hopefully fourth, but I don't think I'm, I don't think I could wait. I'm probably gonna take him third yeah. all day. Um, but yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. This let me see what the stats. Are. Anyway, we, t- we kind of talked about that enough. Let's move on. Um, Bacon. A uh, little bit of talk of him. Uh, they're basically saying they want him to be more of a playmaker. Uh, he shot the ball pretty well without Kimball Walker on the floor. Uh, his last 10 games give a little bit of hope. Um, 14 points, 2.5 boards, 1.4 dimes. Only .6 steals, which is the big issue with him. Two threes. Like, if he somehow... Like, if you can magically grant someone the ability to steal the ball, for what like, just, just do that yeah. out of thin air. If you did that to Bacon, <laughs> like, i draft him pretty aggressively. But he just, year after year... Summer league after summer league, he just doesn't steal the ball. It's so annoying. Yeah. Per per 36 last year, I think he and Landry Shaman, who we mentioned earlier, have the same paltry steals rate. Um, yeah, just just doesn't swipe the ball. So, Pul- do you think poultry I mean, and ch- get a chicken bacon wrap thing? Sounds uh, cool. I was gonna <laughs> say, yeah. He's got his name is built for bad headlines. Like you know, <laughs> bacon is sizzling. We just need him to score 35 in a game. Um, but I guess he's likely to start next year, right? With with Rozier and uh, yeah, I'd be shocked if he doesn't start. And I think he's in yeah. thirty minutes. So like yeah, like you and I were chatting yesterday. I'm like, opportunities there. And I always my last four or five picks are usually players on bad teams. Mm-hmm. Like he fits the bill. I just wish he would steal more. Um, so I, I think he has opportunity to possibly score fifteen points a game. Um, so For points sure. leagues, I'm going to be probably more interested in him. Yeah, I think the the scoring is there, and he'll hit some three-pointers. But what turns me off is when you see a guy who has an opportunity. So the last month of last season, he averaged almost 28 minutes per game, yet he was nowhere near having having standard league fantasy value. Uh, he was a net negative in every category except for, for uh, turnovers, because he doesn't turn it over, and barely three-pointers uh, per 36. So... Yeah, if he's just not going to help you with rebounds, assists, steals, as you mentioned, and blocks, and he's shot poorly from the free throw line, uh, under 68% in the final month with a bigger role. So I don't like to see guys who squander that opportunity. Put it that way. Yeah. Again, just sheer opportunity. Like, they're not going to. If I draft with people who are smart, yeah. a lot of the guys that are obvious are going to be way gone. Right. Um, and right. I took him I last on. round in the mock we did, I think. Just because, yeah. hey, you know, maybe. Some people just find the magic uh, one season with the opportunity in front of them. And it sounds like he's committed. It sounds like he's like really working hard in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, any other, um, besides Miles, and you said you're somewhat in on Rozier, um, Miles Bridges just quickly. I mean, do, is there anybody else that you could see yourself drafting on this team? Uh, Yeah, Miles Bridges a little bit. And yikes. Otherwise... Yeah. I mean, can't do Batum, not into Malik Monk. Devontae Graham, I think his role will grow, but I've seen nothing to make me want to draft him. No, would be the answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not into it. I'm not into anybody else besides Bridges, who's probably 6th, six, 7th six, round, 7th round, yeah, I guess. Yeah, sounds right. Like, uh, I'd pick, Which I'm I'd into. I, I'm actually, I think he'd be a fun guy to own. So Yeah, like I'd I take Oubre, Jonathan Isaac over him, but that's probably about it for guys that are in a similar position off yeah. the top of my head. All right, uh, so let's just talk quickly about, we talked a little, a little bit about rankings, um, just how we put them together. Uh, I'm more of a, I like to say, draft against myself uh, kind of a thing with rankings. Uh, so how I think people like me are going to draft. Uh, so uh, that's kind of how I put together. Where Tommy's more like, hey, what's this guy's nine cap value? Like when you see it on Yahoo or 
basketball monster or ESPN or whatever. ESPN has a little bit different model to put on their player radar. Uh, so he's more built on that, like just numbers in isolation where I'm like, I want to build a whole team and make sure that I don't have any holes later in my draft. Um, so kind of what's your process for you're, – you're one of the, the, the rankers that's going to do our, our composite ranks. Uh, so what's kind of your process in, on going through that? I, I think it, inevitably for me it's a little bit of both. It's subjective and so I try to be as objective as I can. I'll project stats for everybody and then look at the at the rankings and if there's guys I just don't think are high enough or or uh you know low enough I I look at like why like what stats did I project that might have them there so oh maybe I didn't bump this guy's three pointers up enough things like that so I'll fine tune and throughout the preseason tweak stats and so forth but at the end of the day I just let the numbers do the talking wherever whatever the stats say that's where the guys are ranked and then I assume and, you know, in columns and in commentary, that's when I talk about positional scarcity and who you might want to target in the second round, things like this. But for the most part, I guess I strike a balance between a, a purely just numbers-based outlook and my own thinking of what players might do because I'm ultimately it's me projecting the numbers. So it's uh, it's going to come from my subjective point of view. Yeah, and I'm kind of just I'm like... As if you're going to go off just pure value, and I, I like to draft just best available off my board. So I like to just go into my board, go and draft off that. So I'm kind of, it's mm. almost like, I feel like if you have most sets of rankings, you're kind of just like, like you won't stick to that board. You know, you'll be like, oh, I want to draft sure. here because I need a point guard here. Sure, so sure. I kind of do that based on how I feel like the drafts are going to go. Um, so it's a little bit, uh, and obviously the stats are a big factor, but, and obviously this year, my biggest factor uh, on is games played more than ever before. Uh, like, yeah. just, like we focus on the minutes podcast, but one, um, one, yeah, one thing I'll do to your point is early in drafts. I really try to target positional scarcity, get those point guards on board, grab a big man to shore you up there because that allows me to go more to your point of just best available because you're not just hunting for oh I need a shooting guard in the in the middle rounds you're you're reaching for a guy and passing up a big man who you might have actually liked more so I, I try to really hit early the the spots that will be harder to find later yeah and then also I'm kind of leaning towards my bigs I, I love Collins but I want to make mm-hmm. sure my bigs kind of block a little bit more because there's not too many guys that you can get late maybe Zach Collins if he kind of proves it uh, obviously, yeah. Jared Allen too. Like guys who can just shop block and be good from the uh, good from the you line. You could throw White Whiteside on that list. Yeah, well, I'm just oh, saying good from the line no, part. Yeah. Oh yeah, then forget. So it. If you're going <laughs> to draft guards early, like chances are you're going to be pretty strong free throw unless you're yeah. like Fox or. But most, I mean, all the all the high end guards are phenomenal free throw shooters. Curry, Harden, Dames, mm-hmm. awesome. Um, so if you come with Kyrie's good, uh, even. Uh, Drew's good. Trey's going to be really good this year, who I'm going to hopefully have a lot of shares of. So I wouldn't want to package him with Whiteside, but we kind of we kind of knew that. But um, but oh, like Derek Favors, I could see him being really good in blocks, especially with the added base. If, um, mm-hmm. I don't know where I want to put him yet. By the way, I kind of just quick tangent. Like I want to put him like round four, but I can't. Oh, wow. was, I, I want to. I'm not going to. Like if I knew yeah, he was yeah. going to play a lot of games, I'd put him higher. But um, well, he's only 28, so I mean he still has some upside, but. Yeah, I'd like to take him round six or seven, but uh, uh, he might be there. Yeah, he was fantastic last yeah. year. We forget, especially after the break. I mean, 
really, really good for fantasy. And this was a guy who two summers ago was making – I remember in the draft guide a couple – we put together a, like a never again sort of list and a couple people mentioned favors just because he was so injury prone and looked like he was trending down in a hurry. But he's he's found his groove, stayed healthy last year. And as you said, he's in a great position now. So I, I think if you could get him in the 60 to 80 range, that's that's sweet. And I don't think he's going to go higher than that because he's not a quote unquote sexy player to own. Right. Yeah, he's not. And he's he's has a hey, I hope I get him around seven or eight. But I've said this many times, but his per 36 without Gobert on the floor last year, uh, 1,028-minute sample, 21 points, 14 boards, 2.5 <laughs> blocks, and 1.2 yeah. steals. Like, that's first-round stuff right there for a guy yeah. who's going to probably play 27 minutes. So, you know, scale it back to 17 and 10 and 1.8 blocks and 0.8 steals or whatever it is. Like, that's, that's yeah. still, like, close to first-round kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, I definitely love the upside. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy and like. You would you take him over a guy like uh, Larry Nance, for instance? Yes, for sure. Yeah, I take him over a lot of guys. Uh, I take probably the highest I'd probably go would be higher than Randall, uh, higher than Laurie Markkinen. I'm more scared of him too, but I like yeah. favors his upside just because I want the blocks a little bit more. Yeah, like I said I feel like if I have Markkinen on my team, unless I got like if I got a like say I drafted Miles Turner. You know, and I feel comfortable with my blocks. Then I may take marketing in that in that spot. But if right. I drafted guard heavy and I'm sitting there, I need a big man. I would take favors. Like again, this is kind of all kind of baked into my rankings. When yeah, kind of dig into it. I'd probably take marketing, but but I'm with you. I don't really like getting a big man who doesn't block shots and whose value is primarily points and three pointers. That's yeah. not what you're looking for from that position. Yeah. But that's the one thing I'm concerned about with drafting Collins, I guess. But I still love him, so I'll figure that part out later. Like it's not <laughs> yeah. like I always say, the team you draft is not the team you're going to head to the playoffs with. As hard as blocks are to get, there's going to be guys who are going to pop out of nowhere. Maybe like Yaka Pertle locks in and gets more minutes and starts blocking shots. Like we, you always write about. Um, yeah. Maybe no one's the welcomes out of nowhere. You could draft him late or something like that. Yeah. You know, pray that I don't write about Yaka Pertle. <laughs> yeah. The moment I do, he will just curl up and vanish yeah. hopefully Kevon Looney blocks more shots are you in on Looney by the way did we talk about that uh not a ton I I, I like him enough I guess but with the Willie Colley Stein edition kind of dumped a bucket of cold water on that for me really I think I'm not worried about him yeah I I don't know I just see them kind of splitting minutes Looney doesn't really throw me in a 24 to 26 minute roll so I don't know yeah I'm not I'm not psyched okay yeah I, I said like 90 i think yeah and I, I could probably get him a little bit later yeah but definitely a guy i'm kind of targeting but not like super aggressive like bam or somebody like that mm-hmm. okay i think that kind of does anything else you want to add uh, and you're, no, you're very much did... anti-load management like i am yeah for sure i mean that's it, it's a problem that's only gotten more intense over the past couple of years with teams just openly saying load management. I mean, it used to be a fake injury, right? Like fin- yeah. finger or sore ankle or whatever. They just would give a guy a rest. Now they're explicitly saying load management. The league has put into place rules for it. You know, you can only rest them in home games. You can only rest blah, blah, blah. No national game. So it's acknowledged the the league is batting about ideas of shortening the season, so rest is real. It's not going away. You have to consider it when you're drafting. Yep, uh, full on. Uh, probably besides Steph, Drew, and a couple others, uh, I'm probably going under 25 all the way. 
<laughs> I don't have a hard cutoff like that, but I'm with you. I'm yeah, skewing. Yeah. I used to be just get get value eight. You know, guys can age gracefully. We saw Dirk with top thirty value when he was thirty five years old, but I don't think that's the case anymore. So I'm skewing younger and younger. Yep, for sure. All right, so we'll get out of here on that. Uh, again, Monday emergency pod coming your way as soon as I could compile all the stuff. Um, I, I can't wait. I love the schedule stuff. Yeah, so, it's it's impactful for fantasy. So a lot of a lot of stuff's gonna come out of it. More than ever. Um, so it's gonna be again. Hopefully, hopefully Shea doesn't have a bad schedule. Hopefully the Heat don't have a bad late schedule, so I can tail back on. We get Bam a little bit later. Yeah, uh, should be fun. So you guys enjoy your weekend, and thanks for coming on, man. You got it, man.